summer refreshed. Uh, let's get rid of this. Okay. Welcome. Right, do you want me to do... Welcome. Do you want me to do Welcome. the intro? Yeah. Okay. Coming up. Hello, it is your prefect in chief here. Yes, Chris Rankin. Percy Weasley from the Harry Potter films. That's right. Hogwarts head boy. All we do, we have such a privileged life. My job is to make jokes for 20 minutes and that's all I have to do in my day. Like, the rest of the day, I can sit in a YouTube hole all day long as long as I go out and I tell some jokes, right? Sometimes for 20 minutes, sometimes it's even an hour. It's it's lightning in a bottle and for that to be caught and recorded and like, but actually for me to deal with it well, because I was like panicking and like, I don't, honestly, most of that record I don't remember because of what happened at that point. I remember up until that point and then my brain was just going and like- Some people have even like contacted us recently to say, does this tour give any money to JK Rowling? Because we don't want any money to go wow, to JK okay. Rowling. Yeah. That has happened a few times now. Um, so I think there's genuinely, a, yeah, there was that real split in terms yeah. of, of, of fandom. Stand by, here comes your summer refreshed with Graham Smith and Johnny. Uh, so it is summer refreshed, we're back um, for episode two. Uh, it's worth saying an audience of one <laughs> that's me oh sorry I thought you meant like no we've got some decent, <laughs> we've got some decent numbers on this and we can't I don't know if we're allowed to say but it's it's not been too bad no it's definitely more than one more than, no I meant me here like that your, your face went don't say that I know I was like oh my god um, cancel <laughs> straight <words>. away <laughs> Um, speaking of audiences of uh, well, audiences of, of good numbers, congratulations because not that we want to push another podcast on this show, but because it's a magazine show, I think we can get away with anything. Um, we can, Mr. Graham. Mr. Graham Smith is an award winner, so the audience of one here is clapping Woo! that. Thank um, you. Do you want to plug the other one? You don't have to, but you may as well. <laughs> oh, the the other one, um, Outcast UK, um, the UK's hottest LGBTQ plus podcast. <laughs> Say that again, I didn't quite catch it. That was Outcast UK, the UK's hottest LGBTQ plus podcast. Oh, um, tell us a bit more about this, please. Well, Outcast UK is just uh, it's just generally about LGBTQ plus issues. And it's me talking to people I love and respect and I'm interested by to try and get under the skin of those stories and bring them to life without, without being boring. You know what it's like sometimes mm. when people try and get a bit technical and boring. And Johnny, just thank you for setting that up. It did win an award. Oh, there it is. There it is. did oh. win gold. On Saturday at the British Podcast Awards. Well done. Um, so thank you. Yes, th- thanks for the little plug there. And, and where can you listen to Outcast UK? Well, wherever you get your podcasts, Johnny. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. Um, all of the usual, all the usual places. Just search Outcast UK or go to check us out on TikTok. Actually, we're doing. Um, it's really like it's really good on there. We've got like a proper little community of people who have got our backs on there, which is really nice. It's Play Outcast UK on TikTok. I've got a funny story about when I got that the other day, by the way, I nearly lost it. You know what the way Adele used to like be at the Brits? Mm. Oh, I nearly left me a ward in the bogs. And that was the thing that they got in the papers. Well, I nearly left my um, award on the bus in um, Denmark. <laughs> Not quite Hill. the Brits toilet, more like the, yep. uh, the the 17 back to the hotel. <laughs> it, was, well, it wasn't a hotel. It was like not even that um, show because I was staying at um, my partner's, um, well, my mother-in-law's house in Bromley. So right. right out of town, I had to get the bus and the train. And I thought, oh, I'll be clever and I'll mix it up. But I forgot I was really drunk after the awards and I just got lost. 
I'm just sort of walking around Peckham with this in my hand. I thought, oh, Uber, get me an Uber quick sticks. But yeah, that was that was exciting. That was um, Saturday and yesterday was one of those, you know, when you, you hung over getting the train from London mm. after a thing. Horrible. That was a long day, mate. That was a long day. Jokes aside, it's a very, very big deal. This is the British Podcast Awards. So if nothing else, it probably means your fee has gone up, yes. which our accounts, our accounts <laughs> department um, are looking into the numbers and we'll let you know if it's doable. Um, episode two of Summer Refreshed. It's a Harry Potter special. Woo. So Go on, what we got? So I caught up with Rich and Will, who are from the Potter Trail. It's a walking tour based around Edinburgh, which is fantastic. It's been around for a decade. If you are a Potter fan and you've never done it and you come into Edinburgh, it should be, it's a must. It has to be on your list of things to do. And it's a load of tour guides. So I thought we put them all together and we'll do a Potter pub quiz. And we've got a film review from a young film critic of the year. Her name is Beatrice. Get her on before we finish. And a little bit of comedy in there with a really cool comedian called Erin Simmons. Yes, that's all coming up on this uh, on this episode. You see, normally on a lot of podcasts, that would be like five episodes. But here on Summer Refreshed, the refreshing podcast, you just get that in one, don't you? <laughs> you summed it up on episode one when you just turned around and went, look, it's a magazine show. It could mean anything. And trust me, it will. And it does. It does. <laughs> it does. Actually, I think we're going to have that, that jingle for Johnny has got something. Can we get, get the jingle on? Johnny has got something for free. I repeat, Johnny has got something for free. There it is. Johnny has got something for free because Johnny is a massive Potter fan mm-hmm. and he also got to go and do all the Harry Potter stuff with all of the people. So I suspect Johnny has got something for free and I wholeheartedly approve of that. Well, do you know what? Yes, uh, but indeed, let me just put this out there, that yeah. the whole tour is actually free. Ah, ah. right. Ah, I've had my eye wipe there. Remove the jingle. Reverse the Re- jingle. Um, Makes no yeah. sense. <laughs> The jingle. <laughs> reverse the jingle. The only podcast that gives you jingles in reverse. Yes. Another first. It is free. Obviously, they'll take donations and stuff, and you can privately hire a tour, which actually Rill and um, Witch, um, Rill and Witch, um, Will Imagine and if one Rich. of them was called Witch, it would suit the... <laughs> It's yeah. the vibe, wasn't it? When we speak to Dumbledore in just a minute, he'll tell you. <laughs> Do you know what, Johnny? Can we open... Uh, there was something we did on, on the show last week, and uh, I enjoyed it. I do enjoy mm. being placed in the confessional. Can oh, we okay. jump into the confessional? Cue the music. Summer refreshed. Now, this is a surprise confessional. And this it, is well, actually... it's a surprise to me because it's not on the show notes. No, it's not. <laughs> I was just thinking then, I want you to tell the story on the confessional of a free trip. Johnny got something for free. Johnny has got something for free. A trip that occurred to a well-known beach resort in the Caribbean. <laughs> is this when we went to Jamaica? Yes. Oh, I know. Is this the toilet thing? Uh, yes. Oh, and okay. a, brand, a brand new beach resort. Johnny was my boss when he told me this, and he was like, oh, well, a couple of years ago, this happened. There's always after a couple of beers you get this out of Johnny. <laughs> and he looks completely <laughs> shot right now. But I thought, this is this little wet pet. You sat there, Johnny. We're here in this sacred space, the confessional. Mm. And you can't, you can't not share this story. Okay. Well, I'll do it. I'll change some names. Though. Look at himself editing names. there. Is he? Just went, yeah. oh, God. Um, legal, are we okay with this? Yeah. So, all right. So, yeah. So, years and years and years ago, we, again, we, and we touched on this on episode one, that when you did working radio, a lot of stuff ended up on your doorstep and it just becomes a little bit normal. And it's probably ridiculously abnormal for anybody else, but it was a privilege 
and sometimes it maybe wasn't appreciated at the time <laughs> but like which I'll come on to that in a minute I'm just putting my disclaimer there um, we were invited to Jamaica and there was a whole Firstly, who gets invited to Jamaica like I've, I've worked in radio since I was a kid and I never got any of this stuff I was always in the wrong place I should have been with yous we were invited by the Jamaican tourist board so the country invites you on holiday <laughs> right and your only job is to go there and basically talk about it we did shows from there as well broadcast from Jamaica back to the station in Liverpool and we gave away a holiday for two listeners to basically go over to Jamaica and use the holiday within a year so that's the kind of the whole premise of was it of to the, the same resort that you were staying in it was right so, okay. or what was left of it <laughs> um, so there was four of us who went and I was shown a room with one of our presenters who is I would say quite a well-known DJ I'd say like yeah he is you yeah. know he is quite a well-known DJ at the time he was up and coming now he's established but again I'll keep the names like he's had songs out and stuff like he, you know he, he's a chartable artist mm-hmm. and has gets paid for doing DJ yeah so I was sharing a hotel room with him. We had a lovely suite, and obviously they look after you. And, and it's like the hotel inspectors rocked up, do you know what I mean? And it wasn't yeah. just us. There was a load of radio stations there from all over the world, from America, from Canada, Mexico, you name it. Loads of people all there, all broadcasting on the beach uh, at certain times, depending on when the shows were on. That's the actual dream, isn't it? All inclusive as well, which was good. There was loads of funny stories from, from the trip. First night, you know... It, you settle in for a night or two, you're not on the air, you're just adjusting, you're getting over your jet lag, you're prepping shows and stuff, and you're on air a couple of days later. As the, the week goes on, a couple of weird things started to happen. And I mentioned to said DJ, it's a bit weird, isn't it? Like sometimes you turn a tap on and the water flow wasn't great and the shower would run hot and cold. We woke up one morning and we were like, what on earth is going on here? And there was drilling kind of outside the door, like industrial drilling, not someone putting a picture frame yeah. on the wall. This was like proper pneumatic drills going on and chipping away. And the pool was out of order one day. So there was a lot of water-related problems as the days are going by, including one time we got back from a, a broadcast and said DJ, who I was sharing um, the room with, was like, mate, he said, you need, you need to come in the bathroom. And I said, oh, mate. I said, come on. You know, we, we've been broadcasting all night. Let's just get to sleep, mate. We're both knackered. No, no, we need to see it. And you go to the toilet, lift the toilet up, and uh, th- there's a substance in there, shall we say. Someone's had a number two. But it wasn't mine, and it wasn't the person who I was sharing with. So How didn't we as the person do sharing with? Because it's, we'd gone out. got the DNA. <laughs> exactly, where's that DNA kit? <laughs> we'd locked the door, so no one, I had the key. Nobody from our party had gone back. No one was cleaning the hotel at that time. Did you time. think it was haunted? Do you think it was like a phantom scat? That was the feasible reason at the time. So uh, he just says to me, what are you going to do about it? I said, I'm going to do nothing. I was going to put the lid down. I said, and if you need the toilet, just go downstairs and reception. I'll just deal with it tomorrow. So the next day comes and I was sat by the pool. Someone gives us a little nudge. Says, oh, um, Mr. Collins said, uh, you know, does believe you had a problem with the toilet. I said, oh, yeah, yeah. So I went back from, from the sun lounger. I get to the hotel room, outside the door, there's a carrier bag with a plunger in. And I was like, oh my God, well, surely don't expect me to get this out because it's still been in there for a, for a couple of hours. And it's not yours. Point. The guy comes and takes it out. He puts it in the bag and he sorts it. And he said, look, there's been put, a load of put, problems. Puts it in the bag? Yeah, he sort of like, because I, I think it was easier to kind of scoop it out and put it in the bag. 
because it wouldn't flush because if it flushed it would overflow so it was going to come out anyway so just a little so, carrier bag little carrier bag and stuff right, and little test gave bag. it like a uh, yeah a little tesco carrier bag yeah brought hang on, in johnny where did where did where did the poo come from have you no idea to this day we don't know genuinely don't know but because there was loads of issues and stuff and when i get to the end of this story and please bear with me because it is genius on the airport run on the way back said dj gives us a nudge and went uh, mate have you got a second i went yeah yeah i said uh, everything all right he said it was me i said oh what was you mate he said um when we arrived it was me and he was being dead sheepish and, and he was like follow me so he sort of took me to one side and said um the the toilet situation and i went i knew it was you you must have sneaked back to the hotel you must have had that like sneaky one in the room and no 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 when he got so drunk at the first night he thought it would be funny to get a load of soaps from the cleaners trolley which goes around with all the condiments on your shampoos your conditioners your tea bags and get a load of soaps and put them in the toilet flush the toilet obviously all the soaps go down 24 hours later starts to clog the entire <gasps> hotel plumbing system so basically it all backed <laughs> up <laughs> It had all, all backed, backed up. up. Well, it would. It was everyone was backed up in more ways than one. <laughs> I'd forgotten how this ended. I have heard this before. I've forgotten how this ended. That's why I, my shock here on my face, unique, is is it, is legit. You, you ruined everything. And I went back all through the scenarios. Going, someone's got like someone's got married. The, the pool was drained. Like <laughs> someone else's bloody shit ended up in our toilet. Like where do you where do you want me to stop? How does that happen though? How does it get clogged and then someone else's poo ends up in the wrong toilet? That's the mad one, isn't it? How did the poo make it? That does. The, do you know what? As we get towards the, the end of the conclusion of that story, in many ways, it leaves as many questions as it does gives you answers, doesn't it? I don't know. Maybe they sort of flushed it and it, it, it probably <laughs> gone the wrong way. Or, the wrong way. I don't know. <laughs> you flushed the bog thinking you're going to get. I don't know, the poo comes up. I mean, it's mad. In all fairness to him, he was extremely a bit like... Was he worried? Yeah, worried a little bit, distraught over it, because, of course, these scenarios were going on. He was like, I didn't want to tell you on the trip. And I was like, well, kind of thankful you didn't in a way, but at least it could have helped them out to say, we might think it's coming from here, or or this could be something we've noticed. I don't know. You could probably help them out. Luckily, it was all sorted. And you speak to these people afterwards and you speak to the hotel and yeah. we said privately it was everything all right. And it was, to be fair, it must have it must have cost them a little bit of money, shall we say, to sort it out. God, so it's one of them go. ones where at the time you're like, what? And then you think, 10 years from now, this will make a great anecdote on a podcast. Yeah, and, uh, yeah turn the music off, confessional over. And never done. drop that to me again. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, what we should have needed there... Sorry, was, yeah, I sidetracked us. ...was a wizard. If there was a wizard, what could have cast the spell to remove the soap? Right. That would have been genius. Is yes. this a bit tedious to get into the Harry Potter or interview? did the poo get there by magic? Oh. oh! Yeah, Harry Potter time though, isn't it? This is what happened when I caught up with Rich and Will, who are part of the Potter Trail in Edinburgh. It's one of the best walking tours you can do. It's been around for a decade. I caught up with them, and this is all about the tour. Summer Refreshed. This is me, Johnny, in conversation with Will. Hello, Will. Hello. And Rich. Hello, Rich. Hi. Now, these guys are from the Harry Potter walking tour, amongst other things, in Edinburgh. Now, first off, Will, 
I met someone the other day who described you, and this is probably a good thing in terms of the podcast, in terms of Harry Potter. He described you as a magician in what you do. Wow. The respect I deserve. <laughs> yeah. Finally. <laughs> uh, so you can uh, thank Mrs. Will for that. Um, yes. Uh, Rich, I wish I sort of knew something to say about you, but no one's, no one's really said anything. But I have got um, But if you want to text someone now, by the end of the interview, we might have something to go. But the Potter Trail Tour, been going for 10 years. We have some amazing reviews. So to give you an idea, and obviously I'll let you sort of sell the tour in a moment, but 2,147 and counting excellent reviews from TripAdvisor. There are tons of Google reviews out there as well. Traveler's Choice Award, winner in 2021 and 2020. It's amazing what you can buy with Russian bots, isn't it? It is, yeah. <laughs> Certificate of excellence. Do you want to hear some of the reviews? Do you read all the reviews? Oh, I read every single one. I don't know about you, Will. You probably ignore that. No, I'm excited to hear. Okay. Clement D, five stars, a couple of weeks ago. Just did the tour with Rasheen. A definite must-see to discover part of the old, ta- uh, the old town in a fun way. And we, Slytherin, won the House Points competition. Natalie says we had the best time in this tour. We learned so many interesting tidbits about Harry Potter. Our tour guide, Alex, was hilarious. 10 out of 10. Recommend. And um, can we just point out that, that neither of those two reviews are for us? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, well, not the respect we yeah. deserve. In your words... The walking tour of Edinburgh. What is it? We are not only a Harry Potter walking tour of Edinburgh. We are the original Harry Potter walking tour of Edinburgh. Yeah. Um, which I think that makes it makes us better. What do you mm. think? Except no invitations. But when we started it in 2012, there was the Elephant House Cafe, which is the cafe where Jake Rowling wrote yeah. parts of some of the books. There was that, and there was us, and almost no other Harry Potter attractions. Mm. And 2017, the first Harry Potter shop opened in Edinburgh. It feels like everything exploded. Harry Potter shops, other ones started opening. Harry Potter Airbnbs, Harry Potter bars, other walking tours, different magical experiences. And it was about five years ago where everything became castleized in that way and Edinburgh became a Harry Potter city. Yeah, um, it, was, it coincided, I think, then with the 20th anniversary of the first book being published. I think that was kind of like, the, like this is suddenly a, a thing that people remember. <laughs> I'm a Harry Potter fan now. I got into this late because when I was growing up, and at the time you start working, you DJ and you're going out Friday, Saturday nights, you're not really too bothered. It felt just a bit too kiddy. So I was probably a little bit too old for it. I'd never read any of the books. So coming into this quite late, and it was now my wife who obviously said, look, I think you'd really enjoy these. And putting me into that frame, I still haven't read any of the books. I only really know this through the films. Oh. But yeah. is your love more of the, the written side of the Harry Potter stories as opposed to the... Well, I don't the, know, because I grew up seeing some of the films first. I cheated as well. But my first experience was seeing the Philosopher's Stone in yeah. the cinema. So like, I, I kind <laughs> of uh, really... I, I had to watch things to really understand them. Um, yeah. Maybe you were different. Um, I was a very intelligent, grounded yeah. child. Yeah. I remember getting the audiobooks first and being quite resistant to this fad that everybody was talking about. It's interesting to say it was a bit too kiddie because... Harry Potter is now one of the only franchises in the world that is equally popular in all four of the major literary demographics. And I might be wrong on this, but I believe it's like children, young adults, adults, and then senior fiction or whatever. It's sure. over 65s, I think. And it's um, equally popular in all four strata. And it's so difficult to find a genre of fiction that is popular across all ages in yeah. any sort of equal spread. And it's a phenomenon. Yeah. So- and, and, and we're now seeing the generations of the folks our age bringing up kids. We're, I think we're biggest with, with, when families are here in Edinburgh, we're probably biggest with families, I would say. Oh, but yeah. Then, but then, you know, it, it is, yeah, the demographic of the tour cannot be 
pinpointed so much. Well, we're both 30 and you will find people our age with kids now who, as you say, are teaching the kids the books and reading it mm-hmm. to them and bringing them up into the cult. Yeah. <laughs> it felt it's almost like that take that sort of element because mm-hmm. you are teenagers going to see it the bands split up things move on they get back together and they're taking their kids yeah. to go and see what they used to see yeah. 20 odd years earlier if we go back a decade how did it start what was the walking tour what was the premise of the, of the oh. idea from student days I believe this tour started out of the University of Edinburgh Comedy Society back in 2012 it's sort of not 100% true it was it was Stuart Young who put the, he was already a tour guide in the city and he put the, uh, the script for the tour together. Yeah. Started it off his own back. It just so happened that he was also heavily involved in the student comedy scene. And the first few tour guides he got were student comedians. It made sense because they were all very much just natural performers and yeah. they could kind of do the, the tour in an entertaining way. You, d- you didn't want the guides to be afraid of making rule of themselves in the yeah. street right because you were you were getting us to cast spells at traffic lights that's part of the tour um <laughs> we will do various things that are ridiculous in the in the street of edinburgh for that you need people who are don't take themselves too seriously and this is like 90 minutes to tour then it's that how long it lasts yeah that's yeah. it so that's it's it. being silly for 90 minutes yeah it's, it's almost like bringing people back to their inner kid i think in many ways there's quite a rich comedic pedigree on the tour there's a bunch of comedians that do it there's a few Things and shows and friendships that have been born out of the tour mm. uh, due to its, as you say, its comedic heritage and where it came from. I'm going to do a quick plug for my show. I will <laughs> never waste an opportunity. Uh, Here it is. There is a show called Spontaneous Potter, the unofficial improvised parody. It's important to use the full title for legal reasons, which is why we are not a Harry Potter walking tour. We are a magical ambulation around Edinburgh's old town about J.K. Rowling's famous magic orphan. Uh, we you better uh, write that down for me to mention. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The show is an improvised Harry Potter comedy show. It's one of the biggest shows at the Edinburgh Fringe. It's born out of the Edinburgh University Comedy Society and lost the tour guides on the tour self-included, have been in the show, directed it, some of the musicians tour guide for it, the producer and the designer tour guide for it as well. There is a rich comedic heritage in the tours and we don't take ourselves too seriously. I think it's fair diplomatic to say. Mm. So this is it. So according to the website, your ethos locally run and the tours, and this is what stood out for me, accessible to anyone regardless of a financial situation. Mm -hmm. Now to me, cost of living crisis and all the rest of it, what's going on at the moment, or what we've been through in terms of COVID and, and what have you, is that still the core value of this as much as the comedic side? That's still something that I think is really important to us. I, I think a lot of us started doing shows in the free fringe yeah. as well. So yeah. all, and that maybe is where Stuart kind of got the idea more so to begin with, because he was also doing free fringe shows at that point. And it is the idea of like not being forced to pay a set ticket price for something that you might not enjoy. <laughs> I think that's really quite, yeah. quite important. And, and it's, it's, it's the thing that's always driven anything that I've done creatively that I feel like I yeah, need to justify myself before asking for money, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> it kind of puts people in quite a nice position at the beginning of the tour. We'll say, I thought this, free t- this was a free tour, therefore it was going to be terrible. Uh, I'm, I was surprised that it was good. So like, like we need to do quality of experience that is... As good as, if not better, than the majority of paid experiences out there, which we prove we, we do. We're yeah. second on TripAdvisor yeah. of all tours in Edinburgh. Um, I, but then not charge a price for it, I think is yeah, really important. When Stuart took a, a back step years ago, was there any moment where you kind of gone, ah, I can't be bothered with this, just let's knock it on the head, or was it just <laughs> never considered? It was just like, right. Well, I remember my first tour in about 2012, which was for three people in the rain 
<laughs> in October in the cold, the drizzle, dressed as a wizard with people shouting at me out of a van on the street. <laughs> so I stood there looking like Edinburgh's wettest magician. Uh, and just thinking, this is dreadful. Why would anybody do this? But you stick with it and the product grows. You become better at doing tours. And the tour itself as a script gets better. And we realized pretty early on there was something in this because people generally wanted to be there. and They were Harry Potter fans that would come to Edinburgh to learn about how Jacob really wrote the books and about how their franchise that means so much to them got created. And you don't find that on lots of historical walking tours. You don't find that for a lot of tourists that come to Edinburgh to do the things they feel like they have to do. Mm. I think a lot of people that visit a city feel like they have to do the big museum, feel like they have to do like historical XYZ, the castle, whatever it is. But with the Harry Potter tour, I would say 90% of people, excluding, I'm going to overgeneralize here, the dads who are being dragged along, Mm -hmm. (laughs) generally generally want to be there. And I think it's diplomatic to say, most enthusiastic fan base of any tour in Edinburgh. <laughs> it was almost easy to, to, to come from nothing. Like the, the one thing that we have found over the years is that we don't really need to advertise because yeah. people will seek out a Harry Potter tour. And yeah. because we were the first one, we're still the top search result if you look for Harry Potter walking to Edinburgh, even though there are, there are 15 odd competitors to us now. As, as long as we do the right thing, continue to do the right thing, it doesn't need to be sold to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> Forgive me for anyone who, who is listening to this. I don't want to really necessarily give away the entirety of the walking tour. You know, you know, you're going to see the the key landmarks, the key graves. You know, where the inspiration came from for any sort of Potterheads listening. If you're in Edinburgh, you will probably have either a done it or will be seeking out, as you said, to do it. Ah. So you will know. Is it something you can sort of change, or is it kind of the same as it was, give or take, a decade ago? Because you sort of held by the fact that obviously those gravestones are never going to move or change. Yeah, the, yeah. the story's not going to change, but I'd take it depending on who you get on those walking tours. Cause you don't really, that's the thing you won't know until someone rocks up who's actually there. You sure. know, I think it's changed massively yeah. in the past 10 years. As you say, the gravestones <laughs> too specifically that allegedly inspired some Harry Potter character names, those are never going to move. Equally, Jake Running has added a lot more to the Harry Potter lore. She's added a lot more details in Pottermore and, through Twitter about where she got her inspirations from. Yeah. Jay Cronin herself has shifted in the public eye a lot in the yeah. past 10 years. We might touch on that later. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I think you do find if you're doing a tour for kids for a birthday party, it's very different to a tour when I did uh, a year ago, which was to some Americans studying gender politics oh, yeah. from a university in, uh, in the States. So um, things do change through different lenses and things do get updated and, and edited. But broadly, it is the same story that has existed since you started writing the books in 94, the lens of truth has pulled back somewhat and we know a lot more than we used to. Yeah. We speculate a lot less now. I like to always say at the beginning of my tour that the tour is about 70% fact to 30% speculation. There are certain things that we do say are kind of accepted as things that enough Harry Potter fans have seen as being a thing that they think inspired J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling herself has not said anything about it. But it's almost like, almost by her not saying anything, it has just become fact. Because like, it's not being denied. Yeah. And, and even with her having the, as she said, the first Twitter rant, the one where she discredited all the Harry Potter, loca- some of the Harry Potter locations in yeah. Edinburgh, even that didn't have any effect on, on the popularity of what we, what we see on the tour. Yeah. So she said things like, no Edinburgh school inspired Hogwarts. Full stop. Even though there is a school that we take people to on the tour that she took all three of her children to, you would have seen every day. And she 
she claims that there was no, and it, yeah. it looks like Hogwarts, and, and it, she claims there was no connection between that and Hogwarts. And I find that difficult to to comprehend. And I would put that to the to the crowd to decide. It kind of just must give you, literally, just fuel for the fire, mustn't it? Because mm. you can put it out there. You, you're almost doing what she's doing and kind of going, I'm going to give you this. It's up mm. to you what you think. This is what I kind of think. If you could sum the tour up in three words, what three words would you go for, Rich? I'm going to go for you first. Harry Potter tour. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the Apart from those three words. <laughs> there was a real part of it that is like silly. I think like sort of inner child silly would be one of those words. A magical yeah. tour. Silly magical tour. Okay, silly magical tour. <laughs> Go on, Will. Can you do any better? Yes, I would say fun, loud, and debatable. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to stress, to piggyback on Rich's point, we always show our working whenever yes. we are. Whenever yeah. we are stating facts and or opinions about the things which inspired J.K. Rowling. And we always say where she has not said anything or discredited something, mm-hmm. but it certainly ignites debate and speculation amongst fans in the depths and specificity and the trivia and the finer mind you shy of exactly how she came up with things. Yeah. And that much is fun, but it's certainly not a calm experience. It is, but at least my talk, it's loud, it's quick and it's fun, but it gets yeah. people talking. You can tell the enthusiasm for any kind of like Potterheads who are listening now, who might want to get involved. Is mm. there an audition process you'd have to go through? It is very nepotistic, isn't it? It yeah, is it- largely comprised of our friends or friends of friends, mm. uh, all of whom have done some comedy or performing or tour guiding before. Yeah. And in fact, knowing Harry Potter isn't a prerequisite to get involved in the tour, but we do make people sit down, read the books, watch all the films again before they start doing I mean, it. I mean, what's actually quite terrible now is that there are so many other Harry Potter walking tours that exist in the city we are almost able to say we like that guy that is doing another tour for another company and we can just poach it, them. Is there like is this is there like a tall transfer window? Yeah. <laughs> would they reach out to you or would you reach out to them? Or um, would it just be well, the, 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 the last the last person we did hire it was already doing tours for another company and right. it was also the flatmate of someone who was already doing tours for us. So yeah. it's, it's, it's that close. <laughs> have you guys gone on one of the other tours? Like have you ever yeah. d- have you done oh, it in yeah. disguise or have you just yes, rocked yeah. up? Generally yes, because the first <laughs> walking tour that wasn't our own to exist in Edinburgh that was Harry Potter related, stole our tour. Yeah. Shan't name names. And we'll, again, we'll watch that be cut from the, uh, from the final edit. <laughs> we shan't name names, but um, they copied the tour because they saw such a potential in it to attract customers, mm-hmm. given Edinburgh was, as we were saying earlier, rapidly becoming this Harry Potter city. It was quite blatant in a way. And so we did go in disguise and watch the entire tour. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Not for me. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing because like, when we say stole the tour, it's a difficult thing to define what a tour is yeah. in terms of like, really is just a, we're communicating facts that are freely available. Yeah. So, so, so like for us, it was at that point where we thought, okay, we did work it out because actually one of the tour guides had gone on one of our guides' tours with a dictaphone and actually recorded it. We did recognize whole chunks of the tour just said verbatim in their, yeah. in their tour. So it was like, it was a case of like, we were genuinely considering like, how, how do we, can we take legal action? What, yeah. what, how would this work? <laughs> we also realized that you know, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. It kind of go back to that to transfer window gag, but loads of different football teams can play football, but some are going to be better than others. Mm. That's always the thing of going right. You know, you're going to have better people in midfield and up front. Yeah. And at times yeah. there's probably going to be other people who are slightly better, but they might come to you. Or mm. I imagine that must be, both flattering and, as you just said, extremely annoying. I'll put it this way. The reason why so many people want to work for the Potter Trail, and I won't get into the finances, but very briefly to allude mm. to how some other people operate. 
some other tour operators in Edinburgh and around the world work on what's called a marketing course. They will charge their guides, for instance, £2 per head for every person that comes on their tour. So if the weather's bad, if people leave because there's a hurricane for whatever reason, you will be charged 80 quid for the privilege of doing a tour for that company. You might lose money overall because you've not made that much in your hat at the end. Yeah, We don't operate like that. It's much fairer towards the guys the way we do it, but we do not do it on a per head basis because I think we have gained a reputation for being nicer towards the guides. Yeah. Definitely operated on trust and friendship. And those are the strongest businesses. It is also sometimes... A recipe for disaster. <laughs> so far, we've not had any disasters. So that's not quite, not quite. somewhat reassuring. Yeah. So, thoughts. I'm going to just move away from the tour slightly just to, mm. to go. So, apparently, uh, next year, there's a HBO original TV series, which mm. I'm sure you guys are aware of. Possibly the idea is this whole Marauders map sort of element. Lily Potter, Harry's mum, would be at the forefront of that, bringing in people like Snape and Lupin all around that sort of element. Do you kind of sometimes think it should be enough's enough? It should be left. Do you think there's always room to develop this uh, this world? I think one of the reasons why Harry Potter is such a literary phenomenon is the world building and the rules that exist within it and the rich characters that define it are so solid and tangible, are just a mapping of the real world into magic. I think there's always scope to expand it and to enjoy it, regardless of you know, your opinions on it being official or whatever. That's why fan fiction is so popular. Fan fiction for Harry Potter is, I think, the biggest genre of fan fiction online. Don't quote me on that. But I think it's like such a runaway success. Yeah. People's imaginations to run wild because there's so people, many places you can take these tropes. Yeah. A lot of people would claim that the cursed child is just a fan fiction. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because because yeah. it is it's taking elements of I don't want to read the plot for anyone, but taking elements of the of the books that already exist yeah. and, and sort of speculating again on what could be different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, like it's a yeah. whirlwind in front of you and you make yeah. what you want. Yeah. 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 Just to touch back, and I know we'd be harped on it just a tiny bit, but in terms of the trans issue, I think it's important, you know, and obviously everyone has their own opinion and, and that's why we live in this kind of society and this democracy and all the rest of it. But just touching on the fact that you in particular, um, some of your profits go to... So a percentage of our profits, and we, we say, won't specify what that is, but uh, uh, some money from our tour every year goes to the Scottish Trans Alliance, which yeah. is a charity that essentially helps with the representation of trans people in Scotland. And we did that because we did that in the aftermath of J.K. Rowling saying what she did on Twitter. We kind of thought we wanted to make a statement about it that wasn't necessarily sort of in your face, but kind of subtle enough that people would understand that we don't stand with J.K. Rowling and we're quite adamant that we want to make a difference in that regard. Because we're we're genuinely concerned that what J.K. Rowling said will cause damage to the trans community. So we feel a responsibility to do something in response to that. Yeah. I, I imagine just from a, you know, a Potter fan's point of view, it must be difficult. And you've been blessed with this amazing world, this amazing gift, this way for you guys to promote and, and make money in a business. But equally, yeah, I think that's a real important thing to say, even though I imagine there was probably backlash towards mm. you wanting to do that. There was. And, you know, Honestly, I will say there is a lot of movement in, from what I've observed and been told, in the trans community, the queer community, who are fans of Harry Potter to support the fan-made stuff and the unofficial stuff. Mm. Ideally, in a dream world, people would be able to enjoy this fiction. And ironically, it's a message of intersectional tolerance, Mm. uh, which is the core of the Harry Potter series, despite um, what Jake Rowling said. We're now getting, I think the majority of people that would comment on our donation to the Scottish Trans Alliance would say, this is a brilliant thing, this is happening. Some people have even contacted us recently to say, 
does this tour give any money to J.K. Rowling? Because we don't want any money to go wow, to J.K. Okay. Rowling. Yeah. That has happened a few times now. Um, so I think there's genuinely, a, yeah, there was that real split in terms yeah. of, of, of fandom. At the same time, we have had some of J.K. Rowling's supporters in that regard actually attack us online for that yeah. stat. So that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's very much separating the author from the work and, again, continuing to enjoy the book's messages of tolerance, um, despite what she has said, in our view. Yeah, that's the balanced diplomatic table. <laughs> and that's a brilliant way to put it. Yeah. I've got two more questions, guys. Sure. Anyone listening to Summer Refresh now, where does the tour start and where do you get your information? Plug away, plug away. Uh, tour starts at the statue of Greyfriars Bobby in the centre of Edinburgh. It goes around Greyfriars Kirkyard to look at some names which allegedly inspired the characters in J.K. Rowling's books. We see a few locations where she wrote the books and some other things that may or may not have had some inspiration for her as well. And it ends on Victoria Street, which people say is the real-life Diagon Alley. We separate the fact from the fiction on the tour. Very diplomatic, Will. Yeah. Um, and, uh, <laughs> He's done that before. Yeah. He's done that before. At the moment, the tour is starting. So we, we've run like a like the free public version of the tour, which yeah. anyone can book on to. And that's, is that midday? That's midday at the moment. Um, and it, seven it, days a week? Seven days a week. Um, we also run 4pm tours of that in the sort of busy summertime or whenever it's on the city. We also run private tours. So so you can book us for a, for a fee just for your own book. Um, various different times so yeah there's kind of the option there as a type of tour you want and the website is pottertrail.com and where do we get that information from the internet what <laughs> <laughs> we get the information from a so many sources things that jake running has said herself on possible on twitter mm-hmm. in various interviews documentaries made about her biographies written about her our own research talking to business owners in edinburgh mm-hmm our own research talking to people that knew J.K. Rowling at the time when she was writing the first book in 94. It's evolved a lot over the past 10 years yeah. and definitely is not the same tour it was in 2012. Definitely not. Has anyone ever given you a question you don't know the answer to? Yes, regularly. <laughs> <laughs> I once had someone that quizzed me on my knowledge at the very beginning of the tour. This was in the early days. This was 2013. I asked two questions, one, two of which might be in your quiz. Um, which was, that person is actually coming to the quiz. Yeah. Here's the next. They're hosting the quiz. There was, uh, who is Hepzibah Smith? Anyone? No. No? Don't care. I don't care. <laughs> uh, she was a character in the, uh, someone did with the Horcruxes. I, I, I can't even remember now. Important. If um, you're listening and you do know who that was, congratulations. Yeah. You're, you're very welcome on the tour. Follow-up question. What were the names of Hepzibah Smith's two elves? Somebody has done their homework. Yeah, um, or it's just gone, what's the most obscure question? Yeah, that, I'm going to that one in. <laughs> yeah. And finally, gents, favourite Potter character. If you could only pick one, who would it be? Uh, Luna Lovegood. I, okay. I, I, I like the idea of, of there being a whole um, other sort of magical world that exists only through the eyes of the Lovegood family, which yeah. is this weird quibbler kind of nonsense that is a bit, yeah, out there. Um, and favourite book? I think probably The Goblet of Fire, um, but it's maybe not the best film. I think out of the first or the last film is the best film. I would say my favourite character is Severus Snape because he's such an enigma, because he's so shady and shifty. You never know where his allegiance is. And also his backstory is painted to be so romantic and sweet, but is actually quite creepy and sad. (laughs) (laughs) And I love how he exists in such a weird Venn diagram morality. Favourite film, The Goblet of Fire as well. Um, Favourite book is that as well, because, I mean, it's when starts to turn into teenager from a child that he and his peers have to deal with actual issues and the house competition becomes less of an important thing and he has to deal with romance and even more death and like actual adult difficult things like his friendships breaking down and yeah. like really 
difficult stuff. And a dragon. You, and a dragon. Like yeah, real, just thrown in there. Yeah, yeah. Like real world adult issues we can all relate to. Yeah. For anyone listening now, for a Potterhead or someone who, like me, joined these films extremely late, never read a book, never even thought about doing the tour, I am pretty sure that if you did, you would go back to the world of Harry Potter through you guys. And uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Likewise. Thank you. Genuine pleasure. Cheers, guys. Summer refreshed. Johnny has got something for free. I repeat, Johnny has got something for free. Johnny had something for free there, and it was worthwhile in the end. It looked like good fun, though. It looked like a good day out. A good day out for the whole family, I thought. Do you know what it is? If you're a Harry Potter fan, genuinely, you will not be disappointed at that. It is fantastic. It's free. It happens every day from midday. And in the peak times, they do it because it's so popular from about four o'clock. And the guys are absolutely fantastic. They're really, really good guys. And if you are genuinely a Harry Potter fan and you are on the way to Scotland at any point, make sure you do the Potter Trail. It's incredible. And it doesn't end there. Yes, we've got more coming up from from the Potter gang. You put them to the test. Uh, you were meant to be testing them, but in the end, it ended up testing you. One of the questions was regarding where Harry lost his virginity. That comes up. And that involved an absolutely explosive heated debate, which it did. Heated and you'd debate. be able to hear what happened on that. There was absolute, it was absolute farce in the end. It all fell, fell apart, which I absolutely love. All the tour guides together doing a Harry Potter quiz, and it includes a couple of questions from cast members who were in the films as well. Nice. So that's coming up in a bit. So there we go. A little bit of showbiz sparkle. Aaron Simmons, uh, we caught up with him and he is a very funny stand-up comic and he's playing at The Fringe. He's got a show on at The Fringe. We caught up with him in the last few days. Again, a really interesting chat we had with, with Aaron uh, where he touches on loads of stuff, including how not to get yourself cancelled. And it's actually more straightforward than anybody would have imagined. There he is. This is Summer Refreshed. So it is Summer it, Refreshed. Oh, go on, G, you've interrupted me straight away, but go on, it's got to be a good point. Oh, sorry, mate, I thought I was doing this bit. That's uh, why I started to speak. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So I'll pretend uh, <laughs> I haven't got that wrong. I'll shut up. Over to you. It is Summer Refreshed. And joining us now, a stand-up comedian who's been on at the Comedy Store, uh, ITV2 sketch show, appeared at Russell Howard, countless amazing reviews. Uh, and in his own words, according to his website, has been Failing to stand up for 32 years. Luckily, he is far better at comedy than he is at standing up. He has a unique perspective on life, usually of people's belly buttons, which gives him stories to tell and a sore neck. Please welcome the fantastic Aaron Simmons. Thank you very much. This is everyone's cue to do a round of applause. Round of applause. I'm not going to applaud Hello, mate. How are you? Um, Yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you? Very good. Very very warm today. This is like the hottest day of the year. Uh, I see you've got a new stand-up show Mm -hmm. at The Fringe. Yeah. Which is exciting, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of new. It's sort of been working on for three years. But, you know, there was was a pandemic on. So what happened is I had a one-night stand, still bagging on about it, and I found out that she gave me a nickname after that uh, and she saved me in her phone as Hot Wheels. And as you guys have alluded to, I am a wheelchair user. And I thought, that's hilarious. That's what my show's going to be about. And so basically, since that moment where I found out that she called me Hot Wheels, I, the show is about whether or not my disability is a good thing or a bad thing. There is a point to it. And there's a, it's a genuine question that I ask, but it's really just a, an excuse to tell anecdotes about having sex in the table toilet. <laughs> So you look at like kind of the positive side, don't you, of having a disability yeah. sometimes? Do you, do you think it makes you more determined, I was going to say there? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, 
it's very difficult for me to answer that. I've been disabled my whole life, so I can't say, oh, before I was disabled, I was really lazy. So I am a very determined person. I always have been. I presume that the disability is a huge marker for that in terms of, you know, everyone wants to be the, the kid that's good at football in the playground. And if you're significantly challenged by doing that, you know, you can't run as fast as everybody else, but you can try harder than everybody else. And then you could almost be distinctly average. Determined. I'm very independent and almost to a fault these days. Like now as an adult, I should be able to go, yeah, I'm okay with someone helping me with my chair up the stairs rather than going, no, I'm a strong, independent man. I don't need anybody to help me. Yeah, it's, it's a contentious point between me and my girlfriend. Oh, Is that's this not one night stand girlfriend though? That's my first no, question to launch it. No, she's, she's very much not in the picture anymore. It was five years ago. Okay. But she's content. She is. Okay, so this is a bit of a sore spot. She messaged me saying, you've written a show about me. And I went, no, I've written 30 seconds of a show about you. And so it's sort of not ideal. I'll be honest. If it was only a one night stand, it would have been an issue. But there may have been some revisiting a couple of years ago that didn't end Uh brilliantly. That's now. New sequels. Yeah. That's now made it a bit more difficult. But the show is very much not about her. It's very much about me. I love how she's made it all about her I as know. well. But no, the show's not about her. It's, it's a very much not. a jumping off point. I'm going to bring up something in terms of a right. stupid situation. I'm just going to say Russell Howard. Um, yeah, and- that Russell Howard thing. It's sort of a bit weird. I was delighted. Like, I'm a big fan of Russell. I got asked to do a show. I was like, yeah, great. Stand up on TV. So for anybody who doesn't know, I have a little joke at the beginning of my last show where I would pick on a random man and i ask him what his favorite disability because it's just a ridiculous question where you can't win i did that on russell <laughs> howard and there was How a blind guy in the audience and he lifted his stick and if you pause it just at the right moment you can see the exact point in my eyes where i think my career is over <laughs> just so was this done. was basically because he didn't react brilliantly to giving a cheer for disability and you sort of uh, was like, hang on a minute, it sort of singled honestly, him out a little bit on no, no, the word honestly, that he was blind. I, I'd already picked him out. So like the way it works is usually what I do is I just go on and like most of the time there's one or two people that won't cheer because they're not sure if they could or not or anything like that. Because it was for TV, I'm letting you in behind the curtain. But because it was TV, I sort of had to pick roughly where they were going to be he was just the guy in the place. I didn't know he was blind. I need to make that very, very clear because if I knew he was blind, nice. I definitely wouldn't <laughs> have picked on him. But yeah, so it was sort of that joke happens every time I've done it hundreds of times. And that is just absolute one in a million chance that that would happen. Wow. It's, it's been recorded for TV as well though. Lightning in a bottle. And for that to be caught and recorded and like, but actually for me to deal with it well, because I was like panicking and most of that record, I don't remember because of what happened at that point. I remember up until that point and then my brain was just going. And like after that, I do jokes that I've done hundreds of times and it's sort of like, is this the end of my career or the beginning of my career? Luckily, it seems like it's the beginning. So that's exciting. What happens as a comedian when you, like you said then, you just went, I just panic now obviously you didn't freeze because sure. you're a professional Thank you've you. done this billion times you know, you know but what happens to you when you're like this is it what takes over because you've just done the show there even though you were obviously in fight or flight mode i mean it's very much that i think 
part of it is that I was a funny person before I started doing stand-up. I don't know any comedians that weren't. Like, it's a very weird thing to go, I'm not funny in my day-to-day life. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be funny professionally. That doesn't make any sense. But I'm definitely funnier now that I've done stand-up for years, nine years, whatever it is now. Just having that understanding of this is a thing that happens. And most times when you do a gig, it's not reading off a script. You do have to live in the moment and trust what you say to be is going to be funny. And there's sometimes where it's not. And like, I have said plenty of things over my career where I think that this is going to be hilarious. It was very much a case of fight or flight. And I was aware that it was being filmed and that I just remembered, like, it's just another gig. If this happened and it wasn't being recorded and it wasn't for Russell Howard and it was just at the comedy store or anywhere else that I gig. I backed myself to be able to get out of that corner because I've done it, as you say, hundreds of times at this point. Okay, you've done that. You've got out of it. Now do your jokes and everything will be fine. What's the key to not being cancelled then? Because for a lot of comics, people are like, oh, you can't do jokes, woke culture. And I just think that's nonsense. I think that like that provides a more furtive ground for much more entertainment and much more comedy. But what do you think the key is? You're just not getting cancelled, but still being funny. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? You can. Go on. Okay, don't be an arsehole. It's my, <laughs> it's my number one tip for not being cancelled. Like, it's so simple. Like, Good show. This, this idea that cancel culture is a thing and all that kind of stuff, it's not. What it is, is that you have such a capacity to make people happy as a comedian. All we do, we have such a privileged life. My job is to make jokes for 20 minutes And that's all I have to do in my day. Like the rest of the day, I can sit in a YouTube hole all day long, as long as I go out and I tell some jokes, right? Sometimes for 20 minutes, sometimes it's even an hour. I know, how's he do it? We are (laughs) here to make people happy. And all you need to do to not get cancelled, to not be being woke, all that kind of stuff, is to just be nice. Just try and make people feel happy. Understand that there are people, and let's be honest, Nine times out of ten, the people who are getting cancelled are incredibly privileged men. More often than not, um, let's not generalise any more than that, but we know who we're talking about, really. To, To go, oh, you can't say anything anymore. No, you can say anything you want as long as you're not attacking people who have less fortunate life. Like, when you talk about, like, I'm not going to name any names because there are some people that get very upset when you mention a particular person who wrote The Office. But if you if you mention someone like Ricky Gervais, he is... I'm glad you, you're saying this. Yeah. yeah. If you, he is a multi-millionaire. He has everything that he wants in life. He has all the privilege of the world. I used to love Ricky. I love The Office. I think it's one of the greatest sitcoms ever written. But for him to go... Oh, I'm going to make jokes about trans people because I can't do that. And it's my right to be able to do that as a comedian. Trans people suffer so much in this world. Why not make jokes about something, people who are struggling or, or people who are better off than you? You have such a platform to make such a difference. And instead, he's whinging about how he can't say this thing about minority group who are suffering so much now and have done in the past it makes absolutely no sense why he would be so upset about this about trans i I, i've had exactly the same thought to myself um i used to find him really funny as well yeah 
tedious link here, but refreshing to hear that view, Aaron. Ooh. Oh, oh here he is. Oh, get it in somewhere. Oh, well done, Johnny. Oh. Yeah, yeah. That's um, why he paid the big buck. The Edinburgh Fringe Festival is very important to anyone sure. who is a performer. It's not just comedians. There's all kinds of shows there. You can be mm. uh, science-related shows, musicals, all the rest of it. And there's the free Fringe as well, which is well worth doing. The clues in mm-hmm. the title, it yep. is free. You're a big Harry Potter fan, so you've got, as part of the free Fringe, Harry Potter versus your girlfriend. Who's going to come mm. out on top, so to speak? So I'm doing two shows this year that is essentially what the show is so i am a massive harry potter fan <laughs> not the author need to make that clear but uh, <laughs> the books i absolutely love right and the show came about because i am obsessed with harry potter to the extent that i'm actually wearing a harry potter t-shirt but you know you guys can see that it's got dobby on it not important for the oh, list nice. oh um, yes the show all came together because i listen to harry potter every night to fall asleep and my girlfriend can't fall asleep when there's Harry Potter on. So it's sort of, I have to make a decision on whether or not I love Harry Potter or I love my girlfriend more. And it's lots of jokes about Harry Potter, lots of jokes about my girlfriend. Sort of nice to be bringing that show back. I did it in 2018 and it sold really well and it was really popular. And some people came to see it twice. Fair play to them. Yeah, as someone who lives in Edinburgh, yeah. it's Potter crazy in this city. Sure. So people going to see it twice is kind of like, yeah, you just know. Well, that's credit to you. If it's that good, do you want to come back? I think the thing for me, when I started writing this show, my big thing is I wanted to write a show that I would want to go see as a Potter fan. As you say, Edinburgh is Harry Potter crazy. And I know that there is the potential for some people to go, oh, Harry Potter would sell well. I'll make a joke and be like, Harry Potter has glasses. I have glasses. Let me tell you about how difficult it is being short-sighted. And I didn't want the show to be that. I wanted it to be very much this thing that I care about. And this, there are jokes that are so niche that like five people in the audience get them. And then they're like, that is my favorite joke. The fact that he mentioned Ernie McMillan, who is a character mentioned, I would say less than 20 times in the entire series. But I do have a joke about him in the show if you're interested in what a sell well this is the thing i'm a big harry potter fan i won't lie to you Aaron. i i got into it quite late there's a tour which you might be aware of from your time in edinburgh there's a potter trail tour it's been doing around for the best part of a decade and mm. um, it's a freebie tour it happens every day at like midday and they take various you know harry potter fans around graveyards and show the inspiration to, to where the books and the ideas came from i have a story in the show so i won't tell you how it happened but i went on a date and we ended up playing Harry Potter Trivial Pursuit and it ended up in a game of strip Harry Potter. That's as much as I'm willing to divulge at this point. But uh, yeah, it was said earlier, Graham, that uh, I am determined. I would also put the words competitive in there. Um, and um, right. I went down swinging. Let me, let me just say it like that. I, I did not give up at any stage. <laughs> <laughs> So, Erin, obviously, the Fringe is going to be huge this year. It's really mm-hmm. good to have it back uh, in a city which is thriving anyway at the yeah. minute, it seems. Um, what's on the cards um, post-Fringe? What have you got on the cards? To be honest, I, I'm more focused on the live stuff. The plan is to see how Edinburgh goes. Then I'll be going to sort of the Australian Fringes, and doing Melbourne Fringe, Sydney Fringe, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's quite a lot of things that I would like to do, obviously, depending on, how, A, how well Edinburgh goes, and B, how understanding my girl is, which is very understanding. Does she not come with you when you go on tour or is it uh, kind of like it, become a long distance relationship? For yeah, a, a little bit. So it's sort of, um, I mean, we don't, I, mean, I don't talk about this in the show, but we're actually in an open relationship. So it's not as strenuous as it is. It could be, yeah, I guess. Um, but it, but it is one of those things that right, yeah. um, 
she would she like she comes on bits of it depending on where i am and and all of that kind of stuff but usually she's got work and you know there's there's one or two gigs that she'll come yeah, to she's got but, her own life to live yeah exactly how and open's also, open by the way what seems you said that yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. How open is open, by we the way, are, since you said that? We are a polyamorous couple. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not important for the, for either of these shows, but, um, yeah, we've been, we've been poly since we got together. I was actually with somebody before I was with her. And so, um, yeah, it's very much my, the, the lifestyle that I like. Um, and I hopefully am writing a sitcom about it. It takes a long time to write a sitcom. Oh, cool. So that, that will probably be around at sort of 2035 if you, uh, Oh, imagine that, like me playing me as a 25-year-old going, oh, I want to be polyamorous. <laughs> Very different vibe. Anyway. Um, but yeah. Oh, there we go. More, more would you list. pick someone to play you or would you play yourself? I want to play me, but if it, if it takes as long as I think it's going to take, yeah. I'm going to have to get somebody else to or make him significantly older than he is. At the minute, he's late 20s, which I can <laughs> just about get away with. But if it goes any longer, if I... If when you get to mid-30s, yeah. you can stay around there for ages. I mean, I hope so. I mean, I started going grey at 22. I've been there for about 10 years. I went grey at 22, so I think it's unrealistic that I can... Same. You'd have to get your uh, next podcast sponsored by Just For Men. Yeah. <laughs> Just For Men. Patch of grey. I can see it. Yeah. yeah. ErinSimmonsComedy.com. It'll be yes. very interesting if you go to the, uh, to the news section uh, <laughs> when you're on tour to see how many dates... Depending how the relationship goes, if there's loads of dates on there, it could be going really well or yeah. really bad. <laughs> yeah. I think if there's like a lot of dates locally, that's a good sign. And if there's a big chunk where it's sort of all up north or or out west or anything, be like, yeah, I can imagine that my relationship is getting a bit rocky. We but, know, you know where this has gone. Sure. What better way to get over heartbreak than to talk about the relationship for an hour? Make <laughs> money. Time. Make money, yeah. Erin, just before you uh, you disappear, um, have you got someone on your list? If you've, have you got one person? So there's probably a few, but have you got one big pick for the Fringe this year who you're going to go out of the way to see? Yeah, I mean, I would be in a lot of trouble if I only picked one. My general advice to people who are <laughs> thinking about seeing people that they haven't seen before, if there's someone in mind that you really want to go see, that you've seen off the telly, that you like, or that you've heard, like, go early to the shows you want to go see. If there's a telly name that's on at sort of nine o'clock or eight o'clock or whatever, get there for about five. Have a look, see what's on, see what tickles your fancy, see as much as you can of people that you don't know. My personal person that I am like definitely going to go see is Katie Pritchard. She is on six o'clock, I think, at the Pleasance Courtyard. She is just this bundle of energy and is just probably one of the nicest human beings in the world and she is fantastically funny and like i don't think anyone would be able to see her without going she's just awesome so i'd highly recommend katie alice fraser is awesome i gigged with her last night i saw glenn moore's preview i saw glenn moore's preview and it was one of the funniest shows i've ever seen so unbelievably annoying that that was the case because before the show he was coming up to me he was like oh mate the show is just not ready like i just don't get what i'm doing why am i here and then he went out and did the funniest preview of any show that I've seen this oh year. And it made me so angry. Go see him if you get the chance. If you prep less, yep. more success, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I think if you're Glenn Moore, more success is the general. He is just a 
incredibly funny. But it's in the name. He has got the, I think, the best title of any show I've heard so far. What's the title? Will You Still Love Me When I'm Glennie Moore, as in the Beatles song. Glenn Moore was a sports reporter on the the radio before he did Yeah, he still does that. Yeah, he still does his new stuff on on Absolute. Is he still doing that as well? Yeah. Yeah. That's where I knew him from initially. Yeah, Yeah, he's a very funny guy. We wish you continued success. Thank you for the uh, tip-offs because... The Fringe has got a lot going on, so any kind of advice of yeah. where to go is fantastic. And it's good to see new people there as well. Like yeah, when I've been, that was that's where I took away from it. It was just sort of like the exploring of going, oh yeah, these are funny, and then following them afterwards. It's really good to see. And people then you can be really career, smug and be like, I've actually been a fan of them since 2022. And when they go on Apollo, you'd be like, yeah, I remember seeing oh, yeah, them yeah, in, a, in a cupboard in back. Edinburgh. Yeah, I'm one of the OGs. So, Erin, we always like to give our guests, plug your website or your Instagram. Where do we need to go to find out more about you? AaronSimmonsComedy.com is my website, and my social media is at Rolling Comedian, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yeah, you can come see me at 3.20 at the Pleasance Courtyard for Hot Wheels and at 12.15 in the afternoon for Harry Potter. Erin, it's been a pleasure. I've got tickets to come and see you in August, so I'll make sure I'll come over and say hello and we can share a pint or two. It's been a pleasure. Erin Simmons. Thanks, guys. Nice one, mate. This is Summer Refreshed. Okay, so it is the Summer Refreshed podcast. Uh, this is Johnny with, and I'll say hello collectively. A quick hello, please, guys. Hello. 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 And now with enthusiasm. Oh, hello. Hi. Hi. Yes. Hi. Let's just go around very quickly. We'll start with Rich, who you would have listened to before on the uh, the interview. Hi. And then whiz through with your names. Roisin. Sam. Alex. Will. There we go. So you guys have kindly agreed to take part in a Harry Potter quiz. 12 questions. A few little surprises in there. The knowledge, you don't need a lot of knowledge. We do have a lot of knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) Very much lacking in the knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) You want to see the prize? It's a Coca-Cola air freshener. No way. It's Coca-Cola scented. It is, yeah. Do you want to start with the Yeah. Mm. It smells like a cellophane. Put your, put your smells in that. <laughs> it smells like original cup. Mm. It smells a plastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But if you win it, you can smell it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to describe the smell. Oh, because, because now we don't know. Now I want to win just to know. Okay, so have we got a blank page on your mobile phone? You're playing yes. individually. Yeah. Here is question one. What did Harry receive as a gift from the Dursleys during his first Christmas at Hogwarts. I don't know this bit. Like, I know the different gifts, but I don't know which came in which year. Oh. See, this is the thing now when we said it's not really particularly a hard quiz. I'm you yeah. up on the first <laughs> question. <laughs> Everyone you're listening to is a very big Harry Potter fan. Ah. They have to shut down. Question two. What Hogwarts house is Hagrid in? <laughs> question three. So I'm going to read out a sentence. Obviously, you need to basically fill in the gap. Okay, so the sentence is this. So complete the sentence. He can run faster than Severus Snape confronted with what? <laughs> and that was a quote by Fred Weasley from within Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. No, I, you know, I think I actually know this one. I know, I it's feel a like guess, yeah. but I've, I've, I'm remember it. I like my guess. Remember it. Do you want the sentence the again? Do you want it one more time? He can run faster than Severus Snape confronted with what? Uh, question four. In 2018, Piers Morgan uh, made a confession to what Harry Potter star that he's actually never seen any of the films. So who did he say that to while the actors? So in 2018, Piers Morgan made a confession to what Harry Potter star that he'd never seen any 
of the films. Worst thing I've ever heard about Piers Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally in this for the booty prize, but I think I'm going to win. I think I'm yeah. going to win. Oh, really? Oh. Okay. Yeah. Get, get away from my phone. Question five. In the books, what colour are Harry's eyes? I mean, if there's anyone in the group who doesn't get that question, <laughs> then they need to leave the Potter Trail. Yeah. <laughs> like, this, quiz, this quiz doubles as an industrial tribunal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm available for tours all week yeah. on Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get <laughs> Okay, uh, so question six and seven uh, come from a special guest, so I'm going to play you this. Oh, 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 oh So here is a little gift from this man. Potter Trail is a hello. It is your prefect in chief here. Yes, Chris Rankin, Percy Weasley from the Harry Potter films. That's right. Hogwarts head boy, Gryffindor school prefect. Hmm. And everybody's favourite Weasley. Congratulations on 10 years of Potter Trail Wizards. You guys are truly magical. I think what you are doing, keeping the magic and the spirit of the community of Harry Potter alive and well in Edinburgh is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I hope you continue to do it for many, many years to come. I have a question for you. And I've even got a bonus question. What is Percy Weasley's middle name? That's your main question, your bonus question. What is the name of Percy's owl? Guys, congratulations. You guys are doing a wonderful job and I cannot wait to the next time I come up to Edinburgh when I am going to come and see you. And I expect the most magical tour you ever did see and I know I'm going to get it. I do, I do. You guys are brilliant. Keep up the amazing work. Keep supporting the wonderful, magical community that surrounds Harry Potter. And I hope I see you soon. Take care, lots of love. Come on, there we go, Mr. Chris Brown. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. What, a, what a genuinely Jesus. lovely man. Nice. Yeah. Uh, question eight. Yes. On pottertrail.com. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you made the website, you can do this. Yeah. <laughs> the reaction from that in itself was brilliant. Like, <laughs> oh, no. a spelling mistake on the second line. No, there's not. <laughs> 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 there might be, I haven't checked that far. <laughs> there is. On pottertrail.com, which member of the wizarding team is the fourth picture if you are looking from left to right? Oh, that's insane. <laughs> <laughs> so. This, this is a crock of madness. <laughs> <laughs> go, go online, look at the pictures of all you guys. Guess a name. Nah, it's just. Yeah, like, <laughs> well, it's not going to be Will or Richard or Charlie. Because they've been here longer than everybody else. No, it's not in that order. There's no order to it. No, there's no, no order to it. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Obsessive. Have we all got a name, though? Yeah. Whatever that name may be. Yeah. Uh, this is question nine. In 2009, J.K. Rowling claimed Harry Potter lost his virginity <laughs> in what book within the series? Oh. Uh, she looks like... <laughs> Mm. She's written the answer to this before I've even asked sex- it. <laughs> very um, sexless books. <laughs> Question 10. What Edinburgh landmark does this phone number belong to? Oh, God. No. Oh, on it, on it. Uh, Love okay. And the fact that you're writing them on your phones means you can't dial it. 0131. Classic. 466. <laughs> 0873. Oh, oh I'm tasting, I'm tasting, it's a monument. 0131-466-0873. Question number 11. What is Harry's vault number in... 
I don't know if I finished the question. Uh, what's Harry's vault number in Gringotts? In Gringotts, yeah. So in the bank, what is his vault number? <sighs> Final question. Okay. Sorry, it's going to be an absolute... Final question um, is, it's an audio question, um, but it also comes from, Will, you probably m- might know who this might be. Was it Jamie Wilder? It is. Uh, it's oh, yes. Jamie, uh, who plays uh, Crab. Vincent. No way. So he has, he has a question for you. Here you go. What position did I play as part of the Slytherin Quidditch team? That's the question. What position did I play as part of the Slytherin Quidditch team? Just to be 100% clear, so what position did Crab play on the Quidditch team? Got it. Nailed it. Okay, guys, ready for some answers? Oh, yeah. yes. Oh, yes. <clears throat> Mark your own. <laughs> so question one, which uh, was, what did Harry receive as a gift from the Dursleys during his first Christmas at Hogwarts? Uh, the Must answer... Yellow socks. No. 50p. That was a 50p. It was a 50p taped to a bit of card. The mustard. <laughs> 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 so 50p. Uh, what Hogwarts house is Hagrid in? Gryffindor. Correct. Well done. The sentence I asked you to complete was, he can run faster than Severus Snape confronted with what? Bar of Snape. Shampoo. 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 Close. Question four. In 2018, Piers Morgan made a confession to what Harry Potter star that he'd never seen any of the films. The star in question was uh, Tom Felton. Yes. Question five. In the books, uh, Harry's eyes are the colour green. Yeah. 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 Uh, The video question from Chris Rankin. So thank you to him. Percy's middle name was Ignatius. I put Albert, does that count? <laughs> Close enough. One Close enough, no. <laughs> the owl name wasn't DPD, it was Hermes. Uh, which I think is why Hermes have rebranded. Now it's every. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Number eight on pottertrail.com, which member of the wizarding team, I think we should go through one by one about this. Yeah. See the answer. So Rich, we'll start with you. We'll go to, to you first. On pottertrail.com, which member of the wizarding team is the fourth picture if you're looking from left to right? Charlie. Machine. Sam? It's not me. Uh, Alex. Olivia. Becky. Well. We've all given a different answer. All given a different answer and forgot Caroline. How is she fourth? How is she fourth? Because she's the most recent addition. Traitorous, backstabbing Caroline. On the record, the most boring person I've ever met. I was going for like the longest serving. So check it out. It was correct at the time of writing. So pottertrail.com to have a look at that. Do fact check it. Please do. In t- uh, 2009, J.K. Rowling claimed Harry Potter lost his virginity. The book within the series was, go on, Will. I'm going to say book five. Um, the what? End of the Goblet of Fire. No. Oh. That makes only a boy. What? It's illegal. What? Really? That's really? what I found. Like, when Cedric died. During the book. With him. Now, if it's the end, the then. End. He's not even trying to Wait, guys. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But in the fifth book, Chow was his first book. No, I got Oliver Phoenix. I, I put the second well, one. Oliver's book was his first book. No, sorry. No, 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 no. I'm. Yeah, I'm yeah. I put the second one. Oh, you're both in the box. You're both in the box. He had a nice time. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely sentenced. Yeah. Absolutely sight. Yeah. We'll try and send you guys the link for where I got my information. Please, 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 but the real question is what what Edinburgh attraction did we all put for the next <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Can we go so down the line one by one? Um, so the number, which Edinburgh Landmark does this refer to, 0131 466 uh, Sam, let's go to the middle first. Let's go to you first, bud. My my guess was the Elephant House, because okay. it's just such a well-known... Any other... Mark. The uh, Scott Monument. <laughs> Eat it. Eat it. <laughs> yeah. Eat it. It is Elephant House Cafe. Yes. Number 11. Uh, the vault number. <laughs> go on, Alex. 637. Yes! No, 713. No, that's all. Oh, I've, I've, I've got here 687. Can I do a quick Google? Go on, no, do, do a quick Google. Now I'm worried that I'm going to this wrong. <laughs> what a coup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm doing so well. <laughs> also, Caroline's not even on our website. So. <laughs> 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 I thought you wanted to bring it. It does say 687. Oh. 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 I can relax easy. Wow. Six, eight, seven. Wow. You guys are fine. Question 12. What position did Crab play on the Quidditch team? Beater. I think we can all say Beater. at the same time. Beater. 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 Anyone with 12 hands in the air? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Five. 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 five as well. Five. Any higher than five? Oh, six. 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 Rasheen? Oh, I, I, sorry. I navigated. Four. You're the manager! <laughs> I'm the manager. It's amazing not the head of the potter trails, but yeah, lowest score. Obviously, well done to everyone. Karen Can Pat. I also just say, the reason that I navigated the way there was because I was so annoyed about this Goblet Fire thing, so I googled <laughs> it, and no, she shut down a rumour that people thought that he lost it in the Goblet Fire, oh. and she originally wanted to put a sex scene in the second half of the book. I'll even say that. No, she was... Someone said that she was going to do that and she was like, no, that's nonsense. <laughs> like, yeah. my, my, my thoughts with, with Goblet of Fire is like, who, who? would it be with? Because, well, because... in the book, he's saying like, well, this is my first kiss, like with Joe. Yeah. Because like, he's, he's saying like, oh, maybe I'm just that's, not very good at kissing because I never kissed anyone. You can have sex with that. Wait, wait, wait. Sure, no, you can. No, no, but there's Johnny, no, no, I must, I must apologise. Things have gone massively off the list. <laughs> yeah, I not, never thought I, this would so much. This is great. It's gold. He's in that bath in the prefect's bathroom and it's been uh, Oh, it's been Was it with sex? And on that bombshell. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure to have you guys here tonight. Pottertrail.com for any more information. I wish you all the best. Thanks, man. Thanks, Johnny. This has been great fun. Thank you. Summer Refreshed with Graham Smith and Johnny. It is the refreshing podcast, Summer Refreshed here. It's Graham and Johnny. Oh, hello. That was your cue to say hello. Sorry, sorry. I was having a drink. I was having a drink. Uh, I'm going to get you a gavel. I think you need a gavel next time you do one of them. So you can be like, get a... Order! Coca-Cola pen, like... Order! Something, a giant comedy Coca-Cola pen, whatever. We just need some sort of device for you to bang the table with next time. Next on this episode of Summer Refreshed, we're going to cross to... Oh, we've got the satellite ready to... Uh, where have we got? Orkney, is it? Orkney, yeah. I think, satellite um, ready to Orkney, where Beatrice is going to be joining us, an industry-leading film critic. You know the, the, the bits about Beatrice. Won, what was the award thing? I'm yeah, just, so I've just forgot now. It's okay, you can hand over to me, because that's how professional we are. So, um, Beatrice... Over to you, Johnny. Summer Refreshed. Okay, so it is Summer Refreshed, and uh, it is a bit of a Harry Potter episode. It's been 25 years since the Harry Potter books have been available to purchase, and obviously the whole world of Harry Potter was created. It's a Harry Potter special, but we wanted to touch on some films as well. A little bit of a nod to the past and kind of a looking forward to some of the big releases which are due out 
as the months go by, as we rattle through 2022, which is where Mr. Graham Smith and I welcome Beatrice, our film expert. Yay! Yay! Thank you so much for such a warm welcome. It's wonderful. That was £10 well spent for me to say all those nice things about you. <laughs> in vouchers as well. I thought it was vouchers. 15. I'm sure that's what we agreed on. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, let, let me speak to accounts. <laughs> Beatrice is a huge film fan. Like, literally, your job is to criticise films, good or bad, and not hold back in praise or in basically slagging them off, but that's what a film critic does, and a good one. So just going back last year, you were one of the young film critics at the Edinburgh International Film Festival. How was that for you? That was absolutely amazing, genuinely. It was a really rough week, almost, because you have to do sort of assignments and stuff, so you've got very tight deadlines, but it's a lot of fun to work through. All the people that I met were absolutely wonderful um it's just a shame that i couldn't be physically down in edinburgh because there was a pandemic or something so we couldn't go anywhere so that was like the first year they hosted <laughs> the entire thing online b based on that do you want to kind of and asking a film critic i guess it's like asking a restaurant critic sort of what are your favorite meals uh, which is always seems a little bit of a strange question but do you want to give us three films from back in the day and um, what three would you go for now I've kind of got three on the list, which I would pick as standout films. And as someone who's not massively into film, but enjoys it, my picks would be Back to the Future, Jurassic Park and Independence Day. But from your sort of critic's point of view, would you kind of agree with that? Or do you think I'm just kind of talking out the bum with that one and thinking, actually, you know, these were <laughs> dreadful films? What's your uh, what's your view? <laughs> no, those are, um, those are actually some of my personal favourites. I probably rewatch each of them, like, at least once a year but in terms of movies that i watched that really impressed me and have continued to impress me who framed roger rabbit it is astounding having the live action segments matched perfectly with the animation and you watch behind the scenes footage of how they did it and it's insane really fun and stuff was, in there as know, well like mickey mouse and bugs bunny um and they had to be on screen for the exact same amount of frames that was the agreement that warner brothers and disney reached <laughs> Whoa. Uh, like the first time in history, yeah. And that like, was, you know, you're going back late 80s, early 90s with that, the, oh, the yeah. skills of the computer. If you sort of put that in Jurassic Park world, it was kind of one of the first times you would see that serious kind of CGI in a film where it actually looked really real. I guess with Roger Rabbit, you kind of, you know, it's a cartoon, so your brain sort of not is 100% focused on that because you know you've grown up with this not totally being real. But I remember watching Jurassic Park and... You know, there are people, even on YouTube now, you can find people who still think that they, they were around back in the day and are watching it. Like, I kid you not, some, they are idiots, obviously, but they actually <laughs> genuinely think Jurassic Park was real. <laughs> it was a zoo, um, actually. It yeah. was a zoo. So if we focus on Back to the Future, I've got some facts. Now, mm. these are genuinely some of my most favourite films ever, Back to the Future, the trilogy. The original budget, 99 US dollars, so ni- not 99 quid, but 99 million USD. And uh, box office <laughs> taking... 100 pounds. Um, at 967 USD was the box office takings uh, in total. Why from sort of a critic's point of view then be sort of maybe using that analogy with the, um, the, the Roger Rabbit side of things with the effort put into Back to the Future and know that actually when you start one film, there's definitely going to be another two. And for me, that would add a lot of pressure to not get one film right from the off, but you've kind of got to get one right to make sure you get two and three right as well. See, the interesting thing about Back to the Future is when Robert Zemeckis made that first one, they weren't guaranteed sequels. 
Um, it was just going to be a one-off film and they pitched it around a whole bunch of different studios and no one would take it because they went, oh, kid falling in love with their mother is a bit oof. But they made yeah. it and obviously the story's really solid. Chris Lloyd and Michael J. Fox are just so inherently likeable as actors and the special effects are amazing. I also really love that they chose a DeLorean because that's not a car that's known for notoriously being good to drive. I think it's a lot of stuff like that and it just has a lot of charm. So when it did well and they were like, we can make more money out of this. But if you watch the start of Back to the Future Part 2, it starts with sort of the ending of Back to the Future Mm. 1. And they reshot that entirely. Obviously, they had Leah Thompson on the original. She left, so they replaced her actress. So they were going to have to reshoot it anyway. But it's really interesting, even just the jump on VFX in a couple of years between them making those two. Between the late 80s and like the early 90s, because you were talking about Who Framed Roger Rabbit and then Jurassic Park, it's insane the amount of difference, isn't it, really? Because Jurassic Park was almost modern-day style CGI, just the improvements (laughs) around that time. I've got so much time as well for the people who were making films in the 80s that look really realistic and you're like, what tech were you dealing with? How did you pull this off? Yeah, Jurassic Park is absolutely fascinating to watch behind the scenes featurettes for because it's not entirely CG. There was a lot of on-set puppetry done by Phil Tippett, who's just finished his own magnum opus, Mad God. So you get this really amazing blend of practical and CG just to sort of enhance the practical effects and I think that's where it really really shines because I remember Jurassic Park on VHS but they would release the behind the scenes sort of elements to it as well which was like a separate watchable feature and I remember like there were people with very long brushes would be the only way to describe it and at the top so when they were recording everybody's eye line was looking at like a brush with like a big sort of drawn T-Rex on it. So when they were running, everyone was looking at the same points and it was basically just this poor producer guy who was fast, who was running with the brush for everyone to Literally do it. being chased around with a brush. <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, so to think of that vision and then replace the brush with CGI or, like you were saying, sometimes they would have the, the huge puppets, that huge T-Rex head. I would not want to be walking past that in a prop room in the middle of the night. The big head, head, the one that came in through the top of the car. Was that a puppet? Yeah, correct us if I'm wrong here, B, but that that was a puppet, wasn't it, that one? Yeah, they made an entire animatronic T-Rex head for the shot where it comes down through the car. So that scene where it crashes through the car, it wasn't supposed to do that. It was supposed to just sort of knock on the window, but the window (laughs) caved in. So those screams of fear from the child actors, those are 100% genuine. Isn't that Surely safeguarding I mean, would stop them doing that. It frightened them. I think they're going to be eaten, squashed by a window. Or that. Good take. Good take. <laughs> seem right to me. That's the 90s. Safeguarding didn't exist in the 90s. They didn't bring that into like the 2010s. I've got another fact. You want another fact? The vibrating I, cup of water. You'll probably know this, B. It was the most difficult scene to shoot. Ow. So the one on the dashboard, the big, massive dinosaur, it's making the cup move. And that was apparently Spielberg got the inspiration for that after listening to Earth, Wind and Fire in his car. And as he was playing that quite loud, the cup was vibrating and he thought, right, I'll use that. B, am I correct in that? I believe that is correct. Yeah, I think it's someone underneath it, like plucking away on a guitar string. Yes. So that you get like the The um, boot tapping rhythm. Yeah. So moving away, if we go from dinosaurs to aliens, another pick of your past, B. Uh, on your belters list would be Independence Day. 
Uh, original budget, I like to give a few facts, 75 million US dollars, and it made 817. Uh, so again, not a bad return on investment. 75 million um, seems cheap by modern standards, doesn't it? For such a huge blockbuster, you go, oh, 75 million. It's like, you buy a football for that. And why would you sort of say this was a big one, B? Because 75 million. But I guess a lot of that budget went up on blowing up the White House, because that's all I can remember when thinking about that film. I love that scene, because they basically advertised the film with that shot because it was the first time in a feature film that someone had gone, yeah, we'll just blow up the White House. And American audiences went, whoa, they have the courage to blow up the White House. I've got to see this. And then stuff like releasing it Memorial Day weekend, having Will Smith in it, who was at the height of his popularity. Bill Pullman as President Whitmore is probably one of the best presidents of all time. Again, the special effects, it's a really stunning movie and it still really holds up. I think they did a 4K restoration recently. It just looks stunning. It's a massive scale as well. So when you get that mothership comes in about half an hour into the movie and it just takes up the entire screen yeah. over like the San Francisco Bridge. And tell us about your tradition with the Independence Day, B. I'm not American. However, I do love a bit of Will Smith and Aliens. So I sit down and I watch it every single July 4th and in recent years I have taken to also watching Resurgence which was the sequel that they made that I know people have opinions on. Well yeah my opinion is it's rubbish uh, and so much so (laughs) that I actually I was so excited about seeing it and I don't really get that excited about watching films I won't lie to you like I enjoy them but you know when you'd like you'd buy it even on Blu-ray and you know when you're buying Mm. something on Blu-ray this is going to be exciting I stopped watching it. Oh no you turned it off. I turned it off. Oh no, Honestly, what a disappointment. Look at the horror in B's face oh, when I've no. just said I've stopped a film. <laughs> there's what? a lot to live up to though, isn't there, with Independence Day? Literally, as a, those films' favourite as a kid, but there's so much to live up to that it's kind of like they were probably always going to never live up to it. There's like them scenes like when Will Smith goes outside and looks out and he doesn't realise there's any aliens until he looks out and they see the spaceship <laughs> and stuff like that. You, you can only do that once, can't you? Do you want one more yeah. fact before we move on to anything else? Only because I'm putting this in there. You don't often think of aliens. And the aliens' foul slime was really KY jelly. Um, what's apparently they put on the aliens? You don't want to know where I get my news from, but just in case you want to Google it <laughs> yourself. You get your KY New York, from? Uh, New York Daily News is where I get all my supplies oh, from. Right. So, yeah, personal lubricant was what made them all slimy and stink, apparently, as it got warm. Yes. If they filmed it in Orkney, you'd be all right, though, B. It'd be all right, 12 degrees yeah, up there. Yeah, fine. It would, like, freeze over and we wouldn't have an issue. Do they have to just, just keep reapplying lube to the aliens? Is this something like, oh, we've got a bit of a dry alien here. <laughs> Another bucket full of lube. <laughs> that sounds like some kind of film I'd really want to watch. <laughs> So moving away from Luby Aliens to the future, we're going to start off. So this uh, is scheduled to be out in about two days' time, B. It's called They and Them. Give us a little bit of information and why is there sort of this on your list to, to go and watch? So this is a streaming film, is that right? I think it might actually be Apple TV. It's They Slash Them, and the slash is obviously very important because it's a horror movie. Ah. Um, so it's set at a safe haven camp for the LGBT community the camp counselor there is played by kevin bacon and things are not all as they seem as is much the way with horror movies and i really like that this is coming out because it's always great to have more queer representation in, in media i do love a bit of kevin bacon 
as well. Um, so that's streaming Apple TV. So that's they slash them. Can I uh, just say really an unexpected avenue for an LGBTQ plus film as well? You don't expect that at all, do you? It's a slasher film. It's a, <laughs> I'm used to sort of like rom-coms and I feel like the LGBTQ plus film space has really been populated now with loads of different stuff. It's not just your let's go to a straightforward two cisgender white gay lads falling in love. It's now broadened out to a whole host of different things and I'm, I'm, I'm here for that. You know. I've got here, so it's summed up, a facility for teens who are struggling with desires that their parents consider taboo. So that was sort of one of the synopsis. So again, it, it's going to deal with a lot of issues. I'm with you, Graeme. You'd never think, would you, that <laughs> you put those two together? No, no. Fantastic. On to uh, Matilda. So this is due out Christmas Bee. Obviously, remake mm. of the Roll Doll classic. And this is based more so on the award-winning musical <laughs> element of uh, Matilda. Is that right? That is correct, based on the musical, I believe, written by Tim Menchin, the comedian. Mm. I've seen a lot of people calling it a remake of the film that Danny DeVito did with Mara Wilson, late 90s. That's incorrect. I think this is entirely based on the musical. It's got Emma Thompson as Miss Trunchbull. So that'll be an absolute riot, I'm sure. And I've never gotten to see it on stage, such as the joy of living so far away from civilization. But I have listened to the soundtrack and it is... Stellar. I'm really looking forward to seeing how they adapt that for a screen because it's such a different medium from stage. There was a rumour that Jodie Comer was going to play Miss Honey, but I think that's sort of been a bit dismissed. It was quite hard to sort of see if that was just a rumour started or there was any substance to it because if you Google it, there's some elements which would bring it up straight away. Others were like, oh no, this is just sort of being misled somewhere down the line. But she's definitely not though, B, is that right? She's, she's not involved at all, is she? I believe that's correct. Yeah, it's really difficult finding sources to cite these days because there are so many sites that are like, here's what's absolutely happening and it's complete rubbish. (laughs) And another one just to end. So this is, uh, so that was Matilda due out December. Uh, Another big one released (laughs) over the holiday period is Avatar, The Way of Water. So this is the sequel to Avatar from 2009. This is a film which I remember watching and it was going back in the day when you'd have your 3D glasses on, which for someone who I wear glasses anyway, um, just you always looked a little bit strange. Just wear two pairs of glasses then. Two pairs of glasses, yeah. Oh, and do you know what? Right, okay. You'd get up and you'd be a bit wobbly when you were getting up because you're like, oh my God, my eyesight, this is the focus so much. Just, is it true um, that if you I, put different, you know, quality street wrappers over the lenses of your glasses that you can create your own 3D glasses, you want to buy them? I've never heard that. No, oh, I have. I think that used to be true because 3D used to function very differently. Right. It used to actually like physically come out of the screen. I don't know if either of you ever saw Spy Kids 3D. You'd have robots like actually reaching out yeah. the screen, whereas now it's entirely about depth of field, ah, right. which is oh, okay. fine. I think it looks nice, but I do miss that. Oh no, I could die in my local me. cinema. Yeah. You know? And you've got like a strawberry <laughs> on one eye, coffee on the other, you know, saving money. Right. Okay. That's interesting. I never knew that. So I'm more so sort of high-end special effects, not just sweet rappers. So Avatar, they've spent a ton of money, haven't they, on this beat? Absolute mountain of money. The same as the first one, actually. They're shooting a couple back to back because this is obviously the second movie. But apparently James Cameron has five in the works. So by the time he's done with it, there'll be five Avatar movies. How do you feel about that? I'm okay with it. I think that James Cameron should be allowed to make whatever he wants. True. I love his stuff. Yeah. Titanic too. I think that he- oh, absolutely. I take a Titanic too. Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet still look as good as they did in the 90s. So <laughs> yeah, why not? That's true. What would they call that? What, how would it work? 
refloat the Titanic. This time it's personal. Yes. And it's just the revenge story of the iceberg yes. or something. I don't know. Uh, no, in relation to Avatar, do you think that scene is now, obviously they're going to make quite a few of them back to back. Something like Avatar seems to properly lend itself to just having loads of stuff made, doesn't it? Because you've, you've created a whole universe, a whole world, a whole... So there's loads of different spin-offs, I guess. Whereas I used to think with like some things, yeah. it's difficult to keep revisiting the same sort of fixed story <laughs> on stuff. But if you open up a whole universe, then there's a universe worth of stories, I guess. James Cameron gave this interview recently where he was talking about how it felt like he was adapting novels akin to Lord of the Rings, but he was the one that was having to write those novels. <laughs> and I think that's <laughs> absolutely amazing. Is that why there's been a huge delay with this then, B, between 2009 and where he goes now? And I know we were joking about Titanic there, but he's a huge fan of Titanic and he, he, he puts on his own expedition, doesn't he, to actually go down and do documentaries of finding the wreck and he's put money into research and a huge fan. It's almost like a hobby. But I guess with that and the fact that he has got to write them, is that why there's been such a delay of, well, well over a decade of just waiting to go from A to B with this and get it back up and running again? I think it's certainly a large part of it. He did also take some time to go off and film a couple of new Terminator movies. True. For some reason. Um, Are you not a fan? But yeah, apparently... He's allowed to make whatever I, he wants, isn't he? But not Terminator. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't care if his Terminator movies are bad. <laughs> They're not. I think that Genesis was odd, but Dark Fate, which is... I think that's the sixth Terminator film, but it's a direct sequel to Judgment Day, which is the second one, because every time they make a new one, they just retcon the last one, which I think is a really fun way of doing it. I, I thought it was fine, actually. I really liked it. But he started writing the sequel for Avatar and then just kind of didn't stop writing and he went oh i can't fit this into one movie so that's why we've gone from two to like three to five so once he's i think he's currently just shot two and three back to back and then i think he's hoping to shoot four and five back to back as well but don't quote me on that so we should get an avatar movie i think every second christmas so we've got them coming for a while. So Beatrice, if you were looking at the past, Back to the Future worth a rewatch, Jurassic Park and Independence Day, the pick of your bunch for the future or in effect before the year is out. Over the summer, catch they slash them. And then towards the holiday period, Matilda and Avatar both out in December 2022. B, before you go, I'm going to put you on the spot with, you can either answer both or you can kind of just pick one. It's entirely up to you. Best director, if you can only pick your best director, and one film that you could not, if you could only watch another film once in your entire life again, which one would you pick? This is a really mean question. <laughs> Actually, I know, I've decided. Get my money's worth. I feel harassed. <laughs> I don't know. In terms of director, I do really like James Cameron. I think the way he focuses on things and is very CG, pushing the boundary centric. And then if I had to pick a movie, I'm classing the Lord of the Rings trilogy as one movie and no one's allowed to dispute me on that. I can't survive without that trilogy. Well, we'll copy and paste them all onto the one video file and we'll, we'll send you that. And that'll count as one then. <laughs> Beatrice, nice, it's nice. been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. And we are back at Christmas doing holidays refreshed. So will you come on? Uh, again at Christmas and give us your picks for what's going to be big in 2023. Oh, I'd be absolutely delighted to. And Johnny, don't forget, and favourite festive related films of all time, I think should be done within that as well. Thank you so much. You've been an absolute pleasure to chat to our film critic Beatrice. Yeah! Yay! <laughs> Summer Refreshed with Graham Smith and Johnny. What a legend. What a legend. Love her. 
she's absolutely brilliant. And to have that kind of knowledge and that passion about an industry, it's obvious why she won and was part of the uh, Young Film Critics of the Year for the 2021 Edinburgh Film Festival. I think she's sword good. on the wall. Like I was like, there's oh, a sword well, like, on your wall. <laughs> sword on the wall. Yeah, there's the, there was the, the drawings of, um, the, is it Star Wars? or Yeah, uh, the Death Star, isn't it? Death Wasn't Star. it the, the schematics of the Death Star? Like, yeah, just okay, unbelievable. You, you love your film. Really nice just to kind of share a little bit of, and, and you know what I like? When you, when you speak to an expert and, the, and you kind of admit that you're not an expert, but that doesn't put them off. Off mic, we were talking about Hook, which was the film Robin Williams was in, kind of Peter Pan from, from back in the day. Early and 90s one, wasn't it? 1992 that, and I, I really like that film. What Beatrice told us is that Julia Roberts, who played Tinkerbell in that film, left the film. She was getting divorced midway through the film, having a couple of relationship issues, and basically said, well, look, I, I, I can't do this. I'm, I'm out of here. And she took a bit of time off. And you're like, that is in-depth knowledge about films. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I, next time I watch it, I might be looking for the telltale signs going, I had an argument with a fella that day. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That scene wasn't the best. I'm just trying to remember. Yeah, so that was, yeah, that was it. Yeah, do you know, in my head, because I, I, I loved that film, but I was a kid. And I mean, like a young kid when that came out. Very yeah. young. I was not nine. I was nine. <laughs> uh, yeah, but what, what a film that was. But I can only remember it through the lens of watching it as a kid. It's, I just remember it being one of my faves. And I've not seen it in ages. Most of the films I've watched, I can relate to where I was going on holiday. I remember going to New York and on the flight to New York watching Sully, which was the film about when the plane landed in the Hudson River and everyone survived. Um, oh, you watched that on a flight? To New York, yeah. Which oh, is a bit God. surreal. But what's that new what's that new Disney film that they think um Encanto? Right. Oh, it yeah. sounds ridiculous. I would never I'm not the type of guy that oh, I'm gonna watch a Disney film, but it, it's gone off behind me. Sorry. Oh, there's a telly's gone. Are you putting a film on? Oh, there we go. <laughs> the TV screen's gone behind you. Put Jurassic Park on for us. Um, and yeah, Encanto. Yeah, Encanto, that? Yeah. yeah, and it's all sung. It's, it's just it's, it's just a, a film about a house coming to life. And I would never watch that normally because I don't have a five year old kid to stick in front of the TV. I was absolutely transfixed all the way to Heathrow from the, I was, it was a flight from New York earlier this year. And I, I woke up and I was like really annoyed. I'd been snapped out of my Disney sort of place, you know, in a Disney film in particular. Mm. And it sounds odd me saying a grown man watching Disney films, but every now and again, one of them just gets you and just takes you right back to when you were a kid and you were completely yeah. engrossed in the film, doesn't it? You know, easily watched. Apparently big rumor doing arounds at the minute. You might have seen this doing a couple of things in your social feed with Walt Disney and the fact that, yes, he was meant to be frozen and his body is in some kind of ice chamber underneath <laughs> Disney World. They released Frozen because now if you go to Google and search Walt Disney Frozen, it brings up the film and not any of the rumours about where he is. That is such a good shout if you're all, trying to hide something. Mm. All part of the fact that one day he will just re-emerge. When they defrost him, look forward to that day. That's going to be a, yeah, when you get like the hairdryer on him, it's going to be, you know, like when you defrost <laughs> well, the freezer. That, that's how it's going to work, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Anyway, um, moving on, this is really weird because how we record this podcast, right, is we use a studio software and midway through me talking about Walt Disney, our next guest has magically appeared... Gareth, say hello. Hello. You've all, you've interrupted me. Punchline. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> are, are you is he in the next episode this, to this? Gareth is in the next episode. We were just about to plug you, Gareth. So oh, well. you couldn't write this. You couldn't write this. We're literally in, in the in the wrapping up on the cell of episode two, and then and we'll our big back. guest from episode three just appears magically. In yeah, the feed. I know. It's this amazing. is amazing. <laughs> no, it's all right. Sorry, I feel like I've walked in and 
Absolutely, yeah. no one's fine. Like walking in on your parents having yeah, sex. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no. Do you know what? I was going to say that, and then I went, no, don't say that. It's uh, probably a nice family podcast. <laughs> oh, well, it isn't anymore. No, yeah. ruin it there. Next time. Well, what I do is I take other people's posters and put my head on it, like, really badly. Uh, I don't, like, they don't really know about it. They, they just find out whenever I post it online. But I had... I had another comedian going, how many shows are you doing at the festival this year? I've seen like five different posters for different shows. And I was like, it's like the, the, the photoshops are so bad. I can't make them deliberately bad, but some people still fall for it. Yeah. People have just like forgotten stuff in pockets when they've sent it in. Or like, like, um, like, like there's been what? like underwear, underwear and all sorts of stuff like that. In pockets? Docs, it just yeah. like in the box. Something weird there. Something's gone on there. Have you sent it back after you've sniffed it? Or you just like, um... And I'll stop sending it. It's all right. It's fine. My actual first gig, though, this may be a good story for you, was in Sydney. I used to work as a bartender at the comedy store. And uh, one night, one of the comedians saw me writing jokes. And he was like, Are you writing jokes? Do you want to jump on stage? And I was like, No, no, I'm just, you know, just doing it for a laugh. And uh, we planned for me to go on stage. Uh, on a Friday night on one of my shifts. Uh, we waited for the manager, the boss, to go have a cigarette and then they just brought me up and I did five. So that was my first gig. Like, I nearly I, I nearly got fired on the spot because it was so awful. Like, they were like, you can't just jump on stage. Like, it's a big <laughs> comedy club. Like, I, and you're meant to be serving people drink. Next time, Summer Refreshed. So Gareth is going to be uh, on the show next time on our next episode. But for now, episode two, He's done and dusted. Check us out on the socials at Refreshing Pod. Do all that. Rate us, like us, subscribe wherever you are listening or watching here. Uh, is that us done? Done and dusted. We'll see you in two weeks. In a bit. Your summer refreshed with Graham Smith and Johnny.